Okay, if you would take your Bible this evening and turn to Ephesians 3, to begin with, Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 16 through 21, and then I'm going to go to chapter 4 and verses 13 through 15. Ephesians 3, verse 16 says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Go to chapter 4, verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, then we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now these scriptures that we've read are about maturing in the Lord through communication with the Lord. You know, he starts out in verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And then he talks about the things that, that, that he wants you to know. Now, how are you going to know that? Well, you learn those things by communicating with the Lord, letting him talk to you, and of course, you talking to him. Uh, <clears throat> so tonight we're going to be looking at and, of course, in chapter 4 here, again, uh, it talks about growing in, in, in up into him on all things, which is ahead. And this is, of course, through speaking the truth and, 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 and learning of him. So tonight we're going to be looking at communication in the home. Communication in the home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. And I pray, Father, as we look into the word of God tonight and consider this subject of of great importance, we pray that you'd help us to have open hearts and minds and to be hearers, not, and not just hearers, but doers of the word also, that our relationships, one with another and in our homes, might be helped for your glory and honor. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The definition of communication by... One man is to convey or to make known an exchange of words, thoughts, and opinions. Talk sensibly to one another without being loud, sarcastic, or angry. That's communication. Uh, of course, it's to express ideas, concerns, feelings. Um, you know, they say it takes two to argue but it also takes two to communicate. It takes two to communicate. And when we fail to communicate with God, if we fail to communicate with God, some things are going to happen. We're going to lose the sense of God's presence. 
We're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. We're going to forget God's promises to us and the principles in His Word that ought to guide our life. It's really going to result in a broken fellowship with the Lord. Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed on the day of redemption. The preceding verse says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That which is good to the use of edifying, that may minister grace unto the hearers. That word corrupt there means of poor quality, unfit for use. And so, you know, there, there needs to be communication with the Lord, and of course with one another, but it needs to be of fitting communication. And we can grieve the Spirit of God by unfit communication. If you turn to 2 Peter for just a moment, 2 Peter chapter 1, you know, if there's a lack of communication, again, I mentioned, I said that there will be a loss of the sense of God's presence. Uh, we will have, we will forget, we can forget God's promises to us. We can grieve His Holy Spirit and, and, it, and, it, and lose our fellowship with the Lord. You know, and I think a good example of this in the Old Testament is Lot. You know, Lot had all the same advantages of a relationship with the Lord that Abraham had. But it didn't turn out the same for Lot because of the choices that he made. Here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of, Christ, of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. So we're talking, Peter's talking to those that have faith, those that are saved, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So if it is, all these things are obtained by us, or that per, everything that pertains to life is given to us through the knowledge of God. How do we gain knowledge of, uh, the knowledge of God? It's by communicating with him, spending time in his word, letting him talk to us, and then praying also to him, communicating with him. So there's communication. And then he says in verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That's where we learn of the promises of God. That by these you might be partakers. That's kind of the idea of workers together with God, again. Of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Besides this, giving all diligence. Let me pause here for a minute. By these, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, Lot didn't really escape the corruption. Because I believe there's a lack of communication between him and God. See, every time, every time Abraham failed God, he'd come back to the land and build another altar. And renew his his fellowship with God. Well, we don't hear that about Lot. Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom and so on, and he he suffered with the corruption of the world. Beside this, verse five, giving all diligence. So this is this is going to require some effort on our part. Diligence. That's that's a that's that's a, a concerted effort, carefulness, and so on. Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. 
For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Now, he that lacketh these things is blind. He cannot see afar off. Evidently, Lot couldn't see that if I pitched my tent toward Sodom, I'm going to encourage my children to be like those in Sodom. And that's exactly what happened. His children became like those in Sodom. Because he pitched his tent there. He couldn't see afar off. He lacked the discernment that God gives to those who walk in obedience to Him that God gives when they communicate with Him and gives them wisdom and the promises and the principles of the world to, hey, don't do that or you will end up here. But Lot couldn't seem to see that. So, you know, communication for our relationship with the Lord, is vitally important. With not only our relationship with the Lord, but also our relationship with one another. Now, I've said this before. If the vertical relationship, this relationship, our relationship with God is not right, this one will not be right either. This one will not be right either. That's why it's so... I want to say almost dangerous. Danger would be a good word. Cautious. You need to be so cautious who you marry. Because if, if they aren't on the same plane, if their relationship this, this way isn't right, it isn't ever going to be right this way. If, 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 if this relationship is not right, and you are right, and they are not, or vice versa, there's going to be a constant battle. They're going to start out with a conflict right away. Bill Winstead used to say, whatever you do, you don't marry an unsaved person because you're going to have trouble with your father-in-law. And he meant the devil. And that is true. So there needs to be this communication. Communication with the Lord is vitally important in a relationship with the Lord, of course, and it affects our relationship with one another. Now, some obstacles to, to good communication, of course, would be an unwillingness to communicate. Uh, there has to be willingness. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8.12 says, For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath. Uh, Hebrews 13.18 says, Paul said, Pray for us, and I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, Pray for us, we we trust, we have a good conscience, and all things willing to live honestly. You know, Paul was like an open book. He, had, he didn't hide anything. There was nothing, no hidden agendas. There was no, nothing hidden in his life. You know, they were welcome to examine him, just like Samuel said, you know, examine me. Israel said, basically said to Israel, examine me. Have I taken any oxen? Have I taken anybody's ass? Have I taken any bribes? You know, if, if so, hey, bring it forward here. And they could not. See, there was honesty there. 
Somebody has said, no preacher said one time, and I thought, that's, that's, I never heard that before, but I think that's true. He said, honest, to be honest is just, be, is just being humble. Your prideful people aren't honest with themselves. They hide things. They want to hide things because they're embarrassed by it. Humility is being honest. It's honesty. And we need to have honesty, but an unwillingness to communicate is, is not being honest. Uh, a second obstacle is talking too much, where one would dominate the conversation. The Bible warns us about that in several places. In Ex, uh, Ecclesiastes 5.2 says, Be not rash with thy mouth. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. Uh, Proverbs 29.11 says, The fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in until afterwards. I mean, he considers, he thinks about it, he just doesn't say what's everything that's on his mind. You know, a person that says everything that's on his mind gets himself in trouble quite often. It's, it's wise not to say everything that's on your mind. I mean, I wouldn't even say everything that comes to my mind sometimes to my wife. Because I have to be honest with you, sometimes there are things coming to my mind that I should not say. Or would not be beneficial to say. Or would not be right to say. Because I'm a human being with a sinful nature. So we have to learn not to say everything that comes to our mind. You know, only a fool utters all his mind. Uh, James 1.19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. So the rat. Now again, I've often said, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. You need to be twice as ready to hear as you are to speak. So, uh, talking too much, dominating conversation, exaggerations. You know, they, they, these are, again, obstacles to good communication, the habit of distorting the truth, with emphasis and overstatement. Proverbs 25.14 says, Whoso boasts of himself of false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. Like an empty cloud. Uh, blaming others. Pointing the finger at others while refusing to accept responsibility. We heard about that in Sunday school class this morning about Saul. When, 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 when Samuel didn't come, what he thought was the appointed time, he forced himself and, and offered the, the sacrifice which he had no right to do. He was not to do. But when he was confronted, what did he say? Well, the people were scattered from me, and the Philistines were upon me, and you didn't come at the appointed time. So instead of accepting responsibility, he blamed the people, the Philistines, and Samuel. You know, that is a very common thing that we tend to do. You know where we first find that? In the Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden. The Lord comes walking in the cool of the day, and Adam and Eve are hiding themselves. The Lord says, Where art thou, Adam? He said, I, I hid, because I was naked. Who told thee? Hast thou eaten? Yeah, you know the woman that thou gavest me? The woman thou gavest me, she gave me, and I did eat. And the Lord says to Eve, what hast thou done? The serpent beguiled me. See, instead of taking responsibility, 
they point the fingers at others. We must not blame others. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 2, verse 6, that he's going to render to every man according to his deeds. Verse 11 tells us there's no respect to persons with God. And Romans 14, 12 says, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. You know, when you stand before God in the future, and you will, you're not going to be able to blame your father, your mother, your siblings, your pastor, your friends, or your environment. It isn't going to matter. Now, all of them are going to give an account for what they did and do themselves. But you're going to give an account of yourself to God. Yourself. Every man's going to stand there and answer for himself. And so we have to learn to accept responsibility for our own actions. We can't blame others. Do you know what the tendency is? I know what my tendency is. When my wife does something, and she doesn't do it very often, in fact, rarely, but sometimes she does things that irritate me. And you know what that is? That's a good excuse for me to not love her the way I should. Notice I said excuse. Now, it's not a good excuse. It's not a justifiable excuse. Because God commanded me to love her, not if she does everything that pleases me. And, by the way, it's vice versa. After all, God loves us. And he didn't say, well, brother, well, if you obey me every day, I'll love you every day. I didn't say that. He loved us while we were at enmity with him. So we can't blame others. So those are obstacles. Communication. Speaking impulsively, giving a reply before you understand the question or before the other party has finished speaking. Proverbs 18, verse 13 says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Proverbs 25, verse 8, Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. So, so don't speak, don't answer before you know, give an answer before you understand the situation, or before you know what the communication is. Uh, there can be an absence or a passive attitude, an absence of a concern or, or importance or of timing. Uh, now, men, did you ever, wife ever want to talk to you about something and you, and you think in your mind, I got more important things to do. That cannot be, that's not good in communication. Now, I understand that. Because sometimes I think that way. 
but I shouldn't. You know, when God comes to me with things that may, may be trifling, when I go to God with things that may be trifling, he doesn't say, wait a minute, I got somebody more important to listen to than you. The Bible says his ear is ever open under our cry. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says, A time to rend, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. Now, there is a right time. We'll talk about it a little bit. But, but you know, we, we need to be willing to listen. Uh, argumentative, bickering, quarreling, quick to be contentious. The, again, obstacles. Uh, Proverbs 21.19 is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. And then Proverbs 26.21 says, As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. So don't put wood on a fire that you need to put out. Don't keep it going. A soft answer turneth away wrath. The Bible says. And we need to learn to listen. Learn to listen. Alright, some 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 uh, fundamentals of good communication. Mention this a little bit. Honesty. Be truthful as much as possible. Be truthful. Proverbs 19.9 and 19, or 19.5 says, and it says it two times in chapter 19, but verse 5 and verse 9, a false witness shall not be unpunished. He that speaketh lies shall not escape. So we need to be honest, truthful. And as I said, we ought not to say everything we think. Sometimes it's best not to say everything you think. But we do need, you know, we read here in Ephesians 4 that we are to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. So being honest, truthful. Uh, there needs to be trust. You must, you must have trust in the one your, 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 your spouse or the one you're in, in relationship with. Um, that, that they will protect and defend your character will not share personal things to others. Proverbs 17.9 says this, He that covereth, and that word covereth here means does not broadcast it. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. So, so if somebody tells you, if your, if your spouse tells you something in confidence, you ought, you ought not to go tell all your buddies. And you ladies shouldn't go tell all your lady friends something bad that your husband did that would be embarrassing or shameful to him. No. Love covereth all sin, the Bible says. In other words, it, it doesn't broadcast it abroad. And I was thinking about that a little bit. And it has amazed me. I remember when we were in Maine. There were some awful things that was public knowledge that was done at that church. And, but when it was properly dealt with, 
and we dealt with it in the church. I was kind of amazed at the effect it not only had in the church, but it also had an effect in the community. Even though we didn't go out in the community and tell everybody what we did. We had a, we had a lady come forward and make a public confession and ask forgiveness to the congregation to clear up what was rumored constantly in the community and was talked about undercurrent in the church. And after that was done, you think, boy, this, this really made it public. And you would think, boy, people are really going to talk about us now. You know what? That talk all went away. And some feared. Some were fearful what effect this is going to have out there in the public. When it was really brought out, the truth that this, this rumors were actually true, but it was confessed and dealt with in a scriptural manner. And, and those rumors just kind of all... You know, when you admit, you take responsibility for your sin, there's really nothing to rumor about anymore. It takes the power out of the rumors. And, and God has a way of covering it for you. Taking it away. He says He takes our sin as far as the east is from the west. So far has He removed our transgressions from us. But there needs to be trust. In Matthew 18.15 says this, Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee. Now let, notice the word is thee. If, in your King James Bible, if you see a thee or a thou, it's always singular. If you see a ye or you, it's always plural. But notice it says, if your brother trespass against thee, go and tell his fault between he, thee and him. Anybody know what the next word is? Alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. You don't need to go tell it to anyone else. One of the older gentlemen in the church in Maine there had some good advice. He said, we don't need to be hanging our dirty laundry out for the whole world to see. You see, there needs to be trust. A trust. That's a, at the heart of good communication. Patience. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. A calm endurance. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, Charity suffereth long. It suffers long. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 through 26, 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 through 26, the Apostle Paul, again writing to young Timothy, and knowing, understanding the ministry, he said, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. You know, if you, if you are patient and allow people to honestly express themselves, some, sometimes they reveal themselves to themselves. And they reveal their error to themselves. But patience... There needs to be acceptance. 
Again, speak the truth in love. People need to know that they are cared for, that they aren't looked down upon, uh, that they have to earn favor. Uh, Romans 15, 5 through 7. Romans 15, 5 through 7. The Bible says, Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another to Christ, according to Jesus Christ, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive you one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. You know, they, there needs to be an acceptance, a, an enduring love that is unchanging. You know, we are commanded to love one another. In John 13, 1, the Bible says that Jesus loved his own he loved them until the end. Now, in John 13, he's meeting with his disciples for the last time, preparing for the cross. And it's during that time that he washes his disciples' feet. And it's also during that time that he spoke of the one who would betray him. Do you realize that one who betrayed him, he still loved him? He still had opportunity to repent. He loved them to the end, to the uttermost. He never stopped loving them. Forgiveness. There needs to be forgiveness. There needs to pardon, to forgive one another without harboring resentment. Again, Matthew 18, 21 and 20 through 22 says this, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee seven times, but unto seventy times seven. And then verse 35, he said, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Ephesians 4 and verse 32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiven one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So these are fundamentals of good communication. We have to also be careful of the little things. Your Solomon 2, Song of Solomon 2.15 says, Take us the foxes, little foxes that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. You know, it can be little things. It is often little things that evolve into big things. Or that pile up into big things. And so we must be careful of the little things. To take care of the little things. Don't allow things to come between you in your relationship like jealousy. You know, ladies, if you're a stay-at-home mom, don't be jealous if your husband gets to go out to work. The home is a ministry. It's a ministry. In fact, I read this yesterday says, a young girl watched her mother washing dishes. And thinking of how many times she did them, along with all the other housework, she said, Mother, don't you ever get tired of washing dishes? The mother replied, I'm not doing dishes. I'm building a home. I'm building a home.
discontentment, animosity, all these things. And don't allow your children to become between you. Don't you have your favorite and you your favorite? You're going to end up with something like Isaac Rebecca had. Isaac liked Esau because he ate of his venison. Of course, Rebecca loved Jacob. And we all know the division that caused in that home because of the favoritism of the children. They really, and really what, it, that, what, what we see there is they put their children above their relationship with each other. Do you know that you got your spouse before you got your children? And once the children are gone, you're still going to have your spouse. And again, if your relationship with each other is not right, your relationship with your children is not going to be right either. So it's important to have that relationship, that communication one with another. Essentials to, to success in communication. Take them in inventory. Uh, go to First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five, for a moment. First Peter five. <clears throat> you know, sometimes we just need to examine ourselves. We need to take inventory and, and and step back and take a good look at our communication and our relationship with one another. First Peter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. So really what, we, what Peter's saying here is, look, you need to take a serious look at where you find yourself in this world, you have an enemy. Take a serious look. You have an enemy that is out to destroy you. That's what sober means. Take this seriously. This is a serious issue. Not something to be passed off lightly. And you look to God's grace, verse 10, the God of all grace, to God's grace, which is God's enable, we learned this morning was God's influence, His enabling power to work in us to resist the devil, to resist the, the, and to overcome the afflictions in the world. And, and also, as we apply that to our relationships, to, to have communication that pleases honor the Lord and, and so that there's harmony in the home. Of course, one thing this requires is time. You know, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, there's something that is very strongly implied in that verse. In the first word. What does study take? It takes time. It takes time. If you're going to have communication, it requires time. 
Time is of essence. It's fourth. Set a time, set aside time each week. You know, Peter said in, in 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, ye husbands, like the wife, like Christ, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Okay, if you're going to knowledge, if you're going to have knowledge of your wife, what do you have to do? You have to study her. Now, he says likewise. So we could say this, husbands, you need to study your wife. Your parents, you need to study your children. You know what's going on up here. Study. So husbands, you need to study your wife and, and, and learn what, how she thinks, how she works, what makes, her, what makes her tick, what makes her squeal with delight. And wives, you need to study your husband and learn what pleases him, how he thinks. You know, all that takes time. Study implies time. It implies implies effort. And of course, you know, that means we've got to learn to ask questions, to listen. I gave you a little secret, men. This really isn't a secret. Something that took me a long time to learn. But you learn a lot about your wife when she's talking about something she isn't planning to do at the time. If you ask her, if you say, well, let's go out to eat on Friday night. And then you say, well, you pick the restaurant. You know what she's likely to say? Oh, I don't care. It don't really matter. You know. No, when you need, when you find out what restaurant she really likes is in some other conversation where you're not even planning to go out to eat, and the subject comes up, and she says, "I really like steak and baked potato." So you know where my life, wife likes to go to a steakhouse. It took me a while to figure that out, because when I say where you want to go. I really wanted her to tell me where she wanted to go, but you know what? She didn't want to tell me. Because she felt like that was coercing me. So you got to learn. That's part of dwelling with them according to knowledge. And all these wives are kind of grinning, you know, because they know it's true. See, you have to be listening. You know, I learned what kind of candy bars she likes by talking, you know, we weren't actually buying candy bars because she asked her then, she probably wouldn't really tell you. So you have to learn to ask questions and, and, and really listen. Uh, again, that's part of study, listening. That's, what we, that's how we learn about God, listening, listening to him. And why you need to learn to listen to your husband. He may not come right out and say things that, hit, that really please him, but he may say it in passing. Don't, don't discuss personal matters in front of the children. That can be very hurtful. Don't intimidate each other in, in public. Proverbs 16.28 says this, A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer 
separated chief friends. Again, the idea you don't tell or say things in public to to put the other down. Uh, and then you know, say something kind or loving every day. You know, that's that's just that's just being that's part of being loving. You know, God. If we go into God's word, we're going to find out every day that God loves us. I mean, He cared enough to give us a book that we can read to learn about Him and about what He desires and what pleases Him. And then, of course, learn to pray together again. First Peter three. Verse 7 says, Likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Which you know the key, again, the key is, is this vertical relationship right? If it is, we will be working on this one consistently. Growing in this one. Because we're growing in in our walk with the Lord. I find this today. It's a poem by Bill Ashworth. And it goes like this. I got my marriage out today to look at it again. Hadn't looked at it in quite a spell. Just do it now and then. It's so much like a patchwork quilt with patches not a few. Some patches large, some patches small, some patches old, some patches new. Each patch brings back a memory some unkind word or deed, by which we've learned to give and take and love with greater heed. I pray the time will never come when we patch it up no longer, for it seems that where the patches are, the fabric is much stronger. Your trials, the Bible says in James 1, that trials perfect us. Trials in marriage can make our marriage stronger if we learn to work through them, communicate through them. Allowing the Lord to lead us and to guide us and be the head of our homes.